The Midwest Film Nerds podcast is now available on Stitcher Radio. Download the free Stitcher Radio app from the Android and iTunes app stores to start streaming our show today. Hello and welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. I'm Willie. I'm John. I'm Tim. In this episode, we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. But first, before we even start that, let's just talk about the fact that after 85 episodes, we have an episode missing our fearless leader, Mr. Alex Morell, who is in Japan right now on assignment, yeah. not for us. <laughs> Apparently he's having a great time. Yeah. Way better than we're having in this basement right now. But um, no, we Alex is doing great for all you listeners that are fan, you know, he's your fan favorite. He's doing great. He's singing karaoke. So I'm singing karaoke from Mulan. From Mulan. Yes, Mulan. Yeah. And Frozen from Disney films. Yes. <laughs> Disney not films are hot. Frozen. <laughs> So, Alex is doing great. Now that we got that out of the way. Yeah, um, now we're done with now him. Now we're done with him. This, this is my show. Now. Yeah. This is my show. I run this. Sh- uh, no, okay. So, um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about some film news today. We're going to do a little fan casting, which is something that was inspired a little bit by Tim Long and his the upcoming Power Rangers reboot, which we might talk more about today. Um, and then we're going to be doing a full review of Matt Reeves' Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, we also have a little feedback to discuss at the end of the episode here. And as far as feedback is concerned, please feel free to send it to us. We want to hear from you. Um, you can get a hold of us at facebook.com slash Podcast. You can email us, feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com, or call us so we can listen to your beautiful voices at 248-733-5MFN, which is 248-733-5636. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram, at MFN Podcast, and go to midwestfilmnerds.com for all past episodes with show notes and stuff. Fun stuff. From us. Mostly Tim. Sounds he's good. <laughs> Alright, before... <laughs> I like this host. No, yeah. this, is, uh, this is how you host. Yeah, right? I don't, I'm not playing around. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> screw that guy, Alex. Um, so, before we get into our, our, our episode proper, we want to break down our summer movie wager, which if you're involved in, you know, you're probably doing better than I am, because I'm doing terribly. Uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes topped the domestic box office with 72.6 million this weekend, followed by Transformers in a distant second at 16.3 million. And then Tammy, yay, took third with 12.5 million. Um, I just want to say Planet of the Apes, $20 million more than its predecessor opening weekend. Right on. Very impressive. Super psyched. Another smart sci-fi movie doing well, thank God. Um, however, Transformers may have lost the battle for the weekend, but it is winning the war, boys. It is. Uh, it's at number one for the summer with $749.4 million, followed by X-Men Days of Future Past at two with $731.4 million. In third, we have Amazing Spider-Man 2 at $705.7 million. Maleficent in four with $699 million. Godzilla's in five with $490.4 million. Edge of Tomorrow's at six with three hundred and fifty point five. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2 is in number 7 with $349.7 million. At number 8, we have 22 Jump Street with $253.5 million. And number 9 is Neighbors with $251.8 million. And at number 10, we have The Fault in Our Stars at $237.3 million. Um, out this weekend, we have Planes, Fire, and Rescue, The Purge, Anarchy, and Sex Tape. None of which we're going to review because they don't look interesting to any of us. <laughs> So, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk some film news, boys. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, nothing major going on right now. A couple little tidbits. Nothing uh, major. T- Tim's very upset by my nothing major oh. comment. We'll get to that, though. Um, first up, a movie I didn't even know existed. 
And I feel like I should have because I'm a pretty big John Favreau fan, and I think we all have enjoyed most of his movies at least. Indeed. Um, John Favreau is doing a live action adaptation of The Jungle Book, of Disney's The Jungle Book. Um, kind of the latest in a long, weird string of live action Disney movies that used to be animated movies. Uh, Maleficent and uh, Alice in Wonderland, and I don't know, there's a similar one coming out. Oz. Oz yeah. Yep. So um, he has just cast his Mowgli, 10 uh, year old Neil Sethi, who is unknown as far as I'm concerned. I looked him up, didn't see anything. 10 uh, year old kid from New York City, good for him, good on him. But. Since I was unaware of this, the actual movie's news to me. So we're going to talk about casting. Idris Elba is in this movie. Awesome. I hope he plays, like, Bagheera or something awesome okay. like that. You know, like a, like a tough, I don't know. You're going to have to refresh me on some of the characters from the uh, book. I so, so, well, let's, let's, I'll go through the cast here. we got Idris Elba. We've got Ben Kingsley. We've got Lupita Nyong'o from 12 Years a Slave. Okay. And uh, Scarlett Johansson. Now, apparently they're all playing voice roles here. Okay. So I'm assuming animals, right. more than likely. So who plays Baloo in this? In this out of those, yeah, I feel who like should play Baloo? Probably Idris Elba, right? Idris, Idris is the bear. You think? I like Idris as the Black Panther. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Meow. <laughs> um. um you know, and I'm not sure... Who are the characters in this movie? You know the Jungle Book. I don't remember. Okay, so we've got Baloo the bear. the bear. Baloo the Bagheera, bear. the Black Panther. Black Panther. We've got Ka, who is the snake. Right. Uh, we've got King Louie, who is the orangutan king. Yeah. We've got Shere Khan, the tiger. And I believe that that pretty much rounds out the cast. I believe there's a wolf in there as well in the traditional book. I don't, I don't think recall. it was in the animated which one's book. which one's a bad animal? Um, Shere Khan and King Louie were the villains, uh, and Ka. So there's actually a lot of villains. In this I, I have a feeling Scarlett Johansson would probably end up playing Ka, the snake. I like. Oh yeah, that. totally. Yeah. I mean, it, okay. just based on her voice, especially because her it's kind voice, of that like, smoky. Got the, yeah, it's smoky, like sexy, like you know, snakes are often associated with that sort of. Like, yeah, that raspiness. Yeah. yeah, I dig that. I like that a lot. Um... I you know and I don't know who's pl- all who's playing who I don't think they've announced any of the actual roles they're playing but it's a cool cast and right and I'm I'm psyched to see John Favreau um I mean I'm sure this is gonna be a certainly higher budget than Chef but I'm I hope that Chef was a way for him to kind of reset cleanse the palate if yeah, you will. yeah yeah I like that mm-hmm. well done well played sir <laughs> um, no I'm this, I was thinking the same thing yeah and the last uh, Zathura was pretty good. That was, it was a kid's movie he did. Yeah, it. that's right. Yeah. Kind of a Jumanji type spinoff, right? It was in the same vein, at least. Okay. Yeah, I don't really remember if it how if it was closely related, but okay. I mean, he seems. I mean, maybe he's got a knack for that. Maybe he's got a knack for kids' books. Um, I haven't. I've never seen a live action Jungle Book. I, I didn't. Have. I didn't watch. I've never. I didn't watch the last one. Um, I don't like snakes. Okay. I don't like looking at them. Mm-hmm. I'm very much like Indiana Jones. Okay. And most <laughs> in a lot of other ways, most too. aspects. Yeah. yeah. But so I don't even like. <laughs> I don't like when they're on TV. It's it's been a thing with me. So I always stayed away from the Jungle Book. Um, so I'm hoping. I mean, I hope it's good. I probably won't ever see it though because I'll be terrified. Yeah. No, I get that. Um, the the last live action Jungle Book was directed by Stephen Summers. That's right. Uh, the brainchild behind GI Joe: Rise of the Cobra and the Mummy franchise. <laughs> And, um... I never put that together. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually a pretty, uh... A pretty cool movie. I'm a big fan of it. It is out of print on DVD. I know this because I've searched for it long and hard. Um, and... Yeah. <laughs> and, um... I actually sent... I actually told my fiancé my enthusiasm for this movie. 
and she keeps buying me versions of the Jungle Book that aren't the one I want. So I literally, in my DVD collection, have an entire section devoted to Jungle Book movies right on. that aren't any of the ones I want to own. But uh, that the, was a cool movie. What's the best one you've got? What's um, the best one you- I have three copies of the same Jungle Book movie with different covers. Uh, starring Sabu, it's from like it's like a black and white like oh yeah yeah super 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 old like maybe forties even like okay. old old um but I, 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 I haven't watched it I don't I've no, I haven't watched any of them the best one I own is probably the actual Disney one so the cartoon yeah that's okay. the only one I've seen so um but yeah no I'm I'm excited for it I think Jungle Book could be cool so for sure um now we got to get to the Bob Orsi section of our podcast Bob um, Orsi writer of. Screenwriter of Star Trek Into Darkness, yeah. um, and other movies, Transformers, I believe. Transformers, the first two Spider, new Spider-Man, yep. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. <laughs> he's, he's a Jewish superhero. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, Spider-Man. <laughs> um, he has exited Amazing Spider-Man three, and he's been a pretty strong uh, force in the writers' room on the Spider-Man franchise since it's been rebooted. Um, apparently, this has left things kind of up in the air for the third movie, and I'm curious as to what you guys think about. What you guys? How do you guys feel about this franchise so far? Is this doom and gloom? Should we be excited for a new writer? What are you guys thinking? I, I actually haven't seen the second one because I heard it wasn't very good, and uh, so I didn't bother with it. But I loved the first one. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I, I I don't know if the second one is that bad. I don't know how much worse it could get. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. when you've already hit a low, like how much lower can you go? Like, true. So Very true. That's kind of where I stand. I'll, I'll have to see the trailer and see what they do and, and see how it appeals to me. I, I mean, what, what my understanding was, the second one had way too many villains in it, and they should have just streamlined it. So that would be the first thing I look for in the third is to see how many villains are they going to plan on introducing. Yeah. So if they can streamline it and keep it focused, I'm down. Yeah, I guess. totally. That's that's one of the problems that that movie has, I think. And and I mean, it suffers from some of the same problems I think Spider-Man Three did. Um, but then a lot more also. <laughs> what do you, what do you think, Tim? I know you're not a huge fan of the Amazing Spider-Man franchise, and by not a huge fan, I mean you pretty much hate it. But, yeah. um, well, how do you feel about no, Orsi leaving? This is the best news okay. of the week. Like, I'm very excited about this. I don't think I've liked anything he's ever written. I like the first Star Trek, but I don't think it's because of him. Okay. Because uh, that movie's a disaster on a script level, too, because yeah. none of it really makes much sense. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm really excited for this. And he's, we're shuffling him off. He's on a couple other properties that I enjoy, like Star Trek, and I thought he was attached to the Twilight Zone for a while, which is ah. horrifying. But but he shuffle. We're shuffling them off, and we're shuffling him to. We'll get into this in a minute. Like stuff I don't care about. Okay. So like we need to keep this up. Like keep pushing him to franchise. Pushing that him. We don't give a shit. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's good. Well, no, just me personally. Okay. Yeah. So like, get him on like a Thundercats next, mm. or like uh, a, a well. I was gonna say Jem, but I, I like Jem. He's too. He's not good enough for Jem in the holograms. <laughs> Jem in the holograms, yeah. which is happening. So. Yeah, it is happening. Yeah. Um, no, I kind of joking, but no, I don't know where this leaves this franchise because this franchise was going in a weird direction anyway with the Sinister Six stuff, and yeah. I'm almost because that movie I forgot came out. I forgot Amazing Spider-Man Two came out. And I think a <laughs> lot of people did. Like I thought it was last year for some reason when I was thinking about this. And I think a lot of people did, like, it dropped like a rock after that first weekend. Yeah, it really did. It's so, a big, big drop. Big hit. And I don't know where this leaves the franchise. It's going to end up making the least amount of money of any Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, it's not going to make any money. So I I don't know what they do at this point. I don't, yeah. I almost think you, I don't know if you, they want to keep going with it, but I don't know how much gas there is left in the tank, I guess. Yeah, I think people are kind of fatigued with it. And we'll, we'll see. I mean... Who knows? They could really, really turn it around. It's happened, so yeah. Who knows? I don't know. But we'll 
We'll remain cautiously optimistic, except for Tim, who's probably just like... No, I'm way optimistic now. <laughs> what is this? No, that's true. Bob orsi has gone, so that's right. That's true. Um, if we can get Toby back, we'll be all set, right? Toby, no. We want, Toby's got to move on to playing poker or whatever he whatever does now, he like, does sitting now. around drinking. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of Bob Orsi, Saban and Lionsgate have tapped not only him, but X-Men First Class screenwriters Ashley Miller and Zach Stentz to uh, pen their Power Rangers reboot. Um, which we've talked about on the show before. Yeah. Um, I, for one, think it's... I think that the Ashley Miller's Zach Stentz thing is a good thing. Um, I liked First Class quite a bit. And they kind of had a good vibe for that teenager uh, team-building stuff right. in that movie. So, kind of fits for Power Rangers. Um, Bob Orsi, I'm not so sure about. The guy quit one writing job saying that he was going to another writing job and is now taking a second writing job on top of that. I don't know what his deal is, but... Uh, he writes a lot. Yeah, he does. I'm sure Alex is pretty upset he can't be here to talk about this because that kid was obsessed with Power Rangers growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, yeah. He had a picture of uh, Jason David Frank. Yeah, the Green yeah, Ranger, Green right? Ranger, yeah. yeah, yeah. He had a, an autographed photo of that dude in his room on the wall. Ooh, th- what, an, what, an, what an incredible podcast this is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I got a feeling. This... I've, I've got all the dirt on that kid. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> Being being his his brother senior of five years, um, yeah, he had he had Power Rangers all up in that shit. Man. Good, awesome. Uh, no, but he, I you know I'm I'm intrigued now because you're saying the first class writers are on there. I loved first class. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I, I'm really interested to see where they go with it for sure. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's I think tone. I mean this this one's a complete clean slate. Like I mean they could really do anything they wanted with Power Rangers franchise. So it's really, like, it, they could go in so many different directions tonally and storyline. I mean, who knows? We'll see. I think it could be really cool, or it could be just hilarious. I don't know. We'll see. Right. Um, that's about it for news this week. Um, we're doing a little little fun fan casting, because it's inspired by Mr. Tim Long's uh, fan casting of the Power Rangers reboot. Uh, you did one of those. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard that. If not, it's a couple episodes back. I don't remember which episode it was on. Um, it was the rover the rover yeah episode of the rover yep so uh check that out very funny very good stuff um this week we're going to be doing some uh video game adaptations some video game movies that we would like to see and who we'd like to see direct slash act in them slash whatever um john i know you've got a few you want to talk about yeah yeah like i said i didn't have a ton of time to put this together uh due to work and everything but uh the the main one i want to talk about is mass effect uh, I would love to see a movie of that. Yeah, I mean, the, the three games are basically a movie in themselves. Uh, but I think it'd be really cool uh, if you you take Brad Pitt and make him Commander Shepard. Yeah. Okay. And then have uh, Duncan Jones directing. Because I love Moon, and I think his uh, vision of, of like sci-fi and space is just perfect. Yeah. So, plus he had the, the scene of them, like, on, you know... Uh, Sam Rockwell in the in the rover thing on the moon, like bouncing around. Like you have that vehicle in Mass Effect, basically. <laughs> right. And I'd really like to see that come into play. Uh, the other game uh, I'd like to see is God of War with Vin Diesel directing and acting as oh, Kratos. Oh, oh my gosh! Like I oh. think that would just be <laughs> oh, John. insane, and it would be hilarious, but awesome all at the same he time. He would it, love this so much. Would, Vin Diesel would. Oh my god! It would be a fantasy <laughs> Riddick, basically. Yeah, like, it, exactly. It, it, like total, you know, mythology, the whole bit. Like he, he'd be perfect for that role. And I can just imagine him. I think I'm pretty sure Kratos had the, the epic goatee. Like, that I want to see. Thing I want to see that? Vin Diesel with that. Oh <laughs> my god. Uh, now we're talking. So uh, there's that one. And then my last one, is I think uh, Infamous Second Son is probably one of the greatest games I've ever played in my entire life. And I play a lot of games. 
What's the what's the just real quick? What's the plot of Infamous? I'm not too familiar with it. I mean, I don't. I don't know how to break this down simply, but basically, your 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 main character Delson Rowe has the ability to absorb powers from people that are called conduits. Okay. And uh, the conduits are being captured by I can't even remember the the main villain's name Evil because bad I'm guy. I'm terrible at that sort of thing. But uh, he's trying to uh, basically help the other conduits in the world like become sort of free from being persecuted okay. and and you know roped into prisons and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to see Infamous Second Son turned into an animated series. I don't know who would who would write it or direct it. I, you put if you put the people behind the game in the seat to write and direct that animated series, I think you would be golden because that is one of the best. Yeah, it's so well written, so well played, put together the whole bit. I think the voice acting definitely like Troy Baker. Yeah, uh, he's pretty well known nowadays. Uh, he was in he did uh, Bioshock Infinite and. Yeah. Infamous, obviously, he he played uh, Delson Rowe. I think he would be fantastic I, if you pulled in the whole cast of voice actors. They sure. were perfect, okay. flawless. So, would you would you want it done in kind of a um, more of an American style animation, or would you want more of an anime? Um, I think to it the sort of halfway blend, kind of like Avatar. Sure. I, I love the Avatar series, so I think if you took that kind of style and, and just applied... Oh, The Last Infa- Airbender. Oh, yeah, yeah, Last Airbender. Okay, no, you're good, you're good. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking you of take, James Cameron. Yeah, yeah. You take that style of animation and writing, it, I mean, and you you include that into uh, into the storyline of, of Infamous Second Son. And I don't mean, like, just taking the game and, like, reproducing that as, like, you know, a, a, an animated series. I mean, like, you could use that as the first few episodes, but then, like... Build more off Branch of that because they, they've created such an immersive environment and sure. characters. Like it'd be perfect for an animated series. There's a world there that you could extend. Oh, out. hell yeah, that's cool. That's Hands cool. Down. Kind of. I mean, I mean, a lot of video games have been doing that. I mean, there's Mass Effect books. There's Halo books. Yep. Like. They've, they've found a way to kind of branch out, kind of like the Star Wars Expanded Universe mm-hmm. has. A lot of those mm-hmm. games have been able to, you know, extend. Because you can only make it so many games in a series in such a short period of time. Yep. So that's cool. I like that. Um, I, it makes me kind of want to play it, actually. Oh, I, I highly recommend it to anyone listening. Like, l- play that game. It, it is. I'm very, very picky about all the video games that I play and, and actually finish. And that I played that game nonstop when I received it. And same goes for the new Tomb Raider. If anybody gets a chance, play the hell out of that game. Tomb Raider? Okay. I'll have to check that out. I haven't played one since like Tomb Raider four for PS one. Oh, so throw away everything you know <laughs> about Tomb Raider because the new one is just out of this world. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm gonna check that out too. Uh, Tim, you, you got to go next. You're, oh, going, yeah. you're going a little older, a little retro here. With yeah, you. yeah. Well, I, I like this. I'm not. I'm not much. I don't play a lot of video games, but I did play a lot of Punch Out, like Mike Tyson's Punch Out <laughs> when I was a kid, and I still play it. Um, so I fan casted a Punch Out movie, original Punch Out. Okay. Um, because I figure the sequel will be super punch Original, like, NES punch-out? NES okay, punch-out. sure. That's what I went with. Um, I don't think we can get Mike Tyson at this point. Probably not. I thought about it. And I don't think we want Mike Tyson. I think I'm going to leave him for, like, a cameo. Like, uh, I like that. Like, a classy, like, he's like a bar guy, like a guy, like a bartender or something at, like, the, you know, like the seedy bar that little Mike goes to. <laughs> I've got... Let's, I, okay, let's hear it. I'm going to get into this, because i gotta, I got to plot it out. <laughs> Basically, I'm going to kind of rip off Rocky a little bit in the... Uh, I was thinking, like, Rocky Scott Pilgrim was kind of like Ooh, a combo I was going for. Because here's who I had for a director. I have Isaac Florentine, who directed Ninja, Ooh. starring Scott Atkins, ah. some direct-to-video action movies, Undisputed 2 and Undisputed 3. Ooh. Like, he's got the fighting game down, sure. and he's got a bit of a cartoon sensibility, which is what I'm going for here. Um, Little Mac, the main character, is going to be played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. Ah. Because he's got kind of a little back vibe to him, and he's got kind of—I still think he's got kind of that underdog, but he's big now. Yeah, yeah he's, he's not. Ca- yeah, he's a bigger dude now. 
Um, Doc the trainer, uh, Little Max trainer. Mm. I want a Rocky connection. I'm going with Carl Weathers. Oh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. His love interest. I got a love interest in the movie. It's going to be, because you can't have all fights. And there's not going to be a lot of conflict because he's going to win most. I mean, he's going to win all of them. <laughs> um, he has to. So his love interest. I mean, it's Alan Taylor Johnson. So his love interest has to be Elizabeth Olsen, oh, right? Okay, because sure. they're in like every movie together yeah. now. Um, so now we're getting into the the early fighters. You got um, Glass Joe, who's the first guy you beat. Yeah, you can knock him out in a way. So I'm, I went with kind of a jokey one. I'm going to go with, I didn't look up his name, but Shermanator from the American Pie movies. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah the I think he'd be kind of funny. I mean, he's a joke character anyway. Then I have Don Flamenco and Von Kaiser, who Don Flamenco's actually, he's a Spanish boxer, mm-hmm. but the uh, dude from the artist, Jean Desjardins, even Ooh. though he's French, looks exactly like him. So, <laughs> and uh, Von Kaiser is going to be Till Schweiger. Ah, yes. Who was in... Um, Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. And I wanted two actors for those guys, because they're going to stick with him throughout the movie. They're going to be kind of like his... They're going to be training and stuff. They're going to be his crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like Yeah, this. they're going to, they're gonna, like, back him up. So then we're moving into the second act. And then, in the second act, I'm going to do, like, a montage of fights. And we're going to use... This is where you get into the goofier characters, so I don't really want to. I don't want to get into a depth with those. Mm-hmm. But there, it's mostly going to be wrestlers and like MMA fighters. Like sure. Bull Bull's going to be Bob Sapp, who's an okay. MMA fighter. King Hippo has to be Brodus Clay from WWE. Okay. Um, Soda Pepinski is Alexander Rusev, is also a WWE guy. Okay. A Russian fighter. Mister Sandman, he's weird looking. I didn't really know who to pick for him, so I just picked Mark Henry, another wrestler. <laughs> he's, he's big and intimidating. <laughs> I don't think people. Like these are gonna go by in flashes. Sure, it's not gonna be. They're not gonna be do, doing a ton of acting. In right, movies, and so. people are gonna recognize them. So that one will just put like Sandman on his trunks, and then Great Tiger. Um, I couldn't find really anybody for this guy, but India has an MMA fight league. It's called Super Fight League. Oh, nice. So we'll just pick one of those guys. Okay. Um, then the end of Act Two <laughs> is gonna be his big fight versus Piston Honda. Okay. And that's gonna be played by Sung Lee. From okay, yep. um, Dragon Eyes starring John Claude Van Damme yep. and, and uh, Man with the Iron Fist. Man with the Iron Fist, also an MMA fighter. All right, all right, done with that. We're into the third act now. <laughs> um, so basically, like he's fighting for himself at this point. Like he's beat up, and like um, his love interest. I haven't named her yet. Elizabeth Olsen, though. She's oh, you know what? Ugh, should we kill Carl Weathers? We might. We'll get into this. Later. <laughs> <laughs> He's writing it on the fly. The yeah, amount that, of effort you've put into this is astounding. This, I know, it's amazing. This is basically the segment where you where if like someone like my boss listens to this, I'm gonna get fired. So because <laughs> I do no work. Um, so basically we have Super Macho Man is like the big guy mm-hmm. before Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's punch sure. out. I want this to be Liev Shriver and basically playing his character from Goon, which if you haven't seen Goon, you should see Goon. It's a hockey movie, mm-hmm. and he basically plays an older, washed up goon. It was weird. Super Macho Man is listed as, like, 27 in the video game, but he looks like he's, like, 48. So... So it'll work. Yeah, it'll work. And But, like, this is gonna be a dirty, filthy fight. Mm. And, like... But Little Mac's gonna overcome the odds. And, like, that's when Mr. Dream, who was the replacement for Mike Tyson, because they didn't have the Mike Tyson rights. That's right. That's when Mr. Dream walks in and is like, I'm gonna give you your shot, buddy, but it's gotta be right now. Because, like, I don't wait around. And that's when Little Mac says, all right, right now. And so he gets beat. And Mr. Dream, by the way, is played by The Rock. Oh. Because you can't get get any bigger than that. And then, so he he fights The Rock, and he gets beat by The Rock. But it's a great fight. So he doesn't win, but he wins his self-respect. Yes. Like, he wins his self-worth. And that's when Elizabeth Lowell is like, I love this man. 
Mm-hmm. Roll the credits, and then that's when Mike Tyson comes in and goes, "Good job out there, kid." Oh, yeah. oh man, <laughs> this is beautiful. Well oh, done, yeah. Tim. Thank you. Well, well done. Sorry if that took too long. No, no, no you're, you're right on the money. You've got ten seconds to spare. Um, <laughs> um, I I went with a movie that actually does exist already, um, Resident Evil, and I'm a huge okay. Resident Evil fan. I always thought that the original movie, uh, the original game rather, would make a great movie if it was adapted pretty closely. Um, it's about a group of uh, SWAT team guy, kind of guys that go into a mansion to investigate some disappearances and some murders in this town, a small town, and what they find there is a house of horrors, and they uncover the secrets of this corporation and stuff. Very cool. Kind of a haunted housey type movie, but without the ghosts. It's more right. okay. stuff that'll rip your throat out. So, um, directing. I have uh, Alexandra Aha, who did um, ha- High Tension, okay. uh, the Piranha remake, uh, the Hills Have Eyes remake, Mirrors, which I enjoyed quite a bit. This guy's got an eye for gore. Yeah, um, he does. I mean, he, 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 and this, this Resident Evil movie would not pull punches. This would be like, like the games, more of a horror film, not an action Miliovich vehicle where she's shooting machine guns the whole time. We want to go back to basics with this. Um, written by George Romero. Now, written and produced, rather. Um, now, George, George doesn't like working with studios. We know this. He doesn't like big studios. So, another kind of behind the scenes role would be good for him not actually directing I don't think he could handle it right now and um, he actually wrote a treatment for or a script rather for uh, an adaptation of the first game back when he was hired to direct and uh, it's online you can find it it's George Romero's Resident Evil uh, pretty cool script would need some tweaking but he could be helped by Alexander Aha. this script is um, really cool it's really cool yeah, there's yeah. a lot of cool set pieces in it a lot of cool ways like unique ways we really haven't seen to use zombies to Increased tension. Things like, you know, you're crawling through a vent uh, to sneak above, like, all these rooms filled with, cor- like, walking corpses, and the vent starts giving way. You know, like, that, that's, right, right. you know, and they're grabbing at your... That, that's creepy to me. So that, I would I would take that script and kind of um, adjust it both to fit kind of where the games have gone, you know, as mm-hmm. well as maybe update it for some of the references and stuff that are not so timely anymore. Um uh, in our, our our leading role, Chris Redfield, leader of the Alpha Team, who's kind of he's kind of like the the hero of the Resident Evil franchise. Uh, I went with Garrett Headland. Guy needs a franchise. I like Garrett Headland a lot. I think he's a good looking young dude. He's got the uh, the physique to be a leading man. He's got I think the acting chops to be a leading man. But he hasn't really found a franchise yet. Tron hasn't really worked out the way that they've hoped it, ha- it would. So he's got the look. He does totally. He's kind of got the Chris Redfield look about yeah. him, and I think he'd make a good. Uh, he'd be able to do everything that that role would require of you. Um, I want a little bit of. Uh, I want a little bit of popular actor in the mix here, or actress rather. Uh, Jill Valentine's the female lead of the series, mm-hmm. um, one of them at least. Uh, Emily Blunt. Now, she was not really on my radar all that much in terms of, like, action movies or anything like that until uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which I thought she played, like, one of the best strong female characters I've seen in a movie in a long time. There's a fine line between portraying a female as strong and uh, dependable and being able to kick some ass, but also being a human being. Right. Sometimes they go too far. They try to turn them into robots. Emiliovich in the Resident Evil series. Right. Well, no, like, so. yeah, Emily Blunt, I don't know, it was like... <laughs> But, like, she's, like, a woman, and, like, yeah. but she doesn't, like, she doesn't talk about how badass she is as a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just, like, badass. <laughs> I don't know, she just, is. like, recalling her role in Looper, I mean, when that scene where she pulls out the shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. And is, like, you know, you better get out of my cornfield. Like, that, totally. I mean, total, like, 
She could pull it off for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think she'd be a cool fit for that. And she's not. And the the Jill Valentine character, like the way she's been portrayed in like the the art from the artist and stuff at Capcom, she's very she's beautiful, but she's unique beautiful. She's not like cookie cutter, you know, Victoria's Secret model beautiful. Right. So I think that kind of fits. Um, Rebecca Chambers uh, is the young medic on the team. She's kind of a, she's kind of like the the heart of the team. She's a little innocent and she's a little bit. It's her first mission, so she's freaked out, but she's able to, like, pull through it and, like, kind of kick some ass, too. Anna Kendrick. I like Anna Kendrick a lot. Um, I think she'd be able to play vulnerable, and but also kick some ass if she needed to. I just She's got that vibe, like, there's a hidden badass in there somewhere. Oh, totally. And I think she'd be cool for that role. She's a little bit younger than the rest of the crew, too, which would be perfect, so with Anna Kendrick on that one. Um, and then you need a little bit of star power, like, like kind of how the Marvel movies have been doing this in terms of you need a veteran actor on the cast. And they're usually casting these guys in supporting roles, Anthony Hopkins and Thor, uh, Natalie Portman and Thor, like actors that have been kind of established. Mm-hmm. Um, I want Jeff Daniels as Barry Burton. Nice. I love Jeff Daniels. He can bring the humor of that character to life, but he can also be a badass if he needs to be. He has that perfect, that perfect line. And he'd be a nice older actor to have on set to kind of make sure everybody's wrangling these people and right, stuff. Right, right. Um, and then this one's a little cliche, but he's so perfect for it. Christian Bale is Albert Wesker. Christian Bale needs something different. I think right now he's kind of trying to find himself again in Hollywood a little bit. How big of a role is this? Um, he's, he's kind of the, there's, he kind of becomes the, uh, the villain of the piece. Ooh. Um, Ooh, I like that. through some twists and turns. You think he's kind of this sly, slick, put together, totally in, in charge of any situation, just almost Terminator-esque level of roboticness badass, and then he goes fucking bonkers. Oh, I like this. And I would love to see Christian Bale go full Patrick Bateman towards the yeah, end. Yeah, just lose it. And just lose it. For so, sure. Christian Bale, I think, would make a great uh, Albert Wesker. Yeah. Perfect. And that is my What If Resident Evil Was a Decent Franchise. Uh, <laughs> yes. Right on. <laughs> um, sadly, it'll never happen, but that's okay. I can always <laughs> dream. Um, let's head right into our full review. Of uh, Matt Reeves, Planet of, or I'm sorry, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. It's not just called Planet of the Apes. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I, I'm hoping the names get longer. I know they're getting very long now. Someone pointed this out. I hope the next one just doesn't have to do with like a new beginning because it's just Rise and Dawn are kind of like the same thing. Yes. <laughs> so I think it's time to <laughs> like switch it up. They, uh, we, they, maybe you should just follow the Romero formula and be like Day of the. You know, right. or War of the maybe I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Who knows? It yeah. could be. They could just copy the Beneath the Planet of the you know the, the know. originals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, this stars uh, Andy Serkis. Oh my God, Jason Clark. Um, help me out, guys. Uh, uh, Kerry Russell. Russell's in it. Yep. Gary, Oldman, Gary Oldman. Cody Smith McPhee. Cody Smith McPhee. Um, I don't uh, know who Toby plays- Kebbell. Is that who played Koba? Yep, Toby, ah, Toby Kebbell. He's a uh, Future Doctor Doom in the Fantastic Four. Uh, is he playing Doctor Doom? He is. Yes. Good for him. Um, Anyway, so this is uh, the second in the rebooted, I guess if you could call it that, um, Planet of the Apes series. Um, And on IMDb, its synopsis says, In the wake of a disaster that changed the world, the growing and genetically evolving apes find themselves at a critical point with the human race. Pretty straightforward. Uh, Doesn't really reveal too much, which is probably good. Right. But um, let's get right into it. First of all, uh, let's start with Tim. Okay. How do you feel about the franchise, um, and how do you feel about the last one before we get into our review? Okay, can I do a quick rank-em? Yeah, go nuts. Okay, I'm going to disqualify two movies right away. Mm-hmm. I'm going to disqualify the Burton one, because I don't, I, I don't really like it. Okay. Um, and I'm going to disqualify the original, because I don't 
I like it and I respect it, but it's been talked about so many times and it's been referenced so many times in pop culture that I just get kind of bored with it now. Okay. So, disqualified. So, um, <laughs> my least favorite of the originals is Battle. Okay. Uh, it's it's the cheapest okay. of them. It, it, it hurts it. It's still got some cool ideas, but the cheapness hurts it overall. After that, we've got, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to go Beneath is probably my second least favorite. But Beneath gets really, really ridiculous at the end. Um, I'm going to spoil the originals because they're like 30 years old. So <laughs> Spoiler alert for all previous Planet of the Apes. But, it's, but there's these mutants that live underground and they worship an atomic bomb. Oh, okay. And then That's at weird. the end of the movie, they blow up the entire planet. <laughs> so it gets it, it's really kind of boring for a while. And then it gets completely batshit in it's the totally third act. Um, after that, I'm going to go Rise, the last one. I liked it a lot. Um, it was missing a little bit of the... Kind of the kind of even silly political stuff okay. that I like from the other ones. Then I'm gonna go. Uh, I got two left, right? I'm gonna go Conquest. Conquest is really dark, but it's got so many cool ideas, and it's just the original ending for Conquest. Watch Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, and they cut out the ending. I think in the Blu-rays they put it back in, but then go YouTube the original ending because it's basically Caesar Caesar just yelling, like, I'm gonna kill everybody, like you're <laughs> the slaves now. Then my favorite actually is Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Okay. Escape plays like um kind of like Star Trek four for a while. And this is really ridiculous right now. <laughs> um, I hope everybody's following this. But um Escape it's really light and kind of goofy, uh-huh. and then once again, it has the. I'm not gonna spoil it because everybody should watch it. But it has the most bummer ending I've ever seen in every, <laughs> any movie, and it works because it's so light. This last movie, now that we get back to it, we bring it full circle, much like the Planet of the Apes movies. Um, <laughs> this movie might be either one or two. I have to see it again. Okay, but wow, I that high up there though. I love this movie, like the entire thing, everything about it. I mean, I. It might. I've seen some people say it has problems, and it probably does. But I don't care because all around, it's just it's so cool, and it's everything that I want from a Planet of the Apes movie. It's got some kind of it's got some political aspects to it. Um, it's got some humor. Um, it's just it goes it goes for it. It goes for broke. Yeah. So I was a big fan of this movie. Cool, good to hear, John. Well, how did you feel about the previous movies of the ones that you've seen, and right. and, and then this one? Uh, I I basically wrote off everything else once Rise came out. Okay. Because I figured I wanted to look at it as a complete reboot. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved Rise. I thought it was fantastic. I, you know, James James Franco, that was awesome. his role perfect. Played yeah, he was great. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and I really, I mean, the whole just intro to everything, seeing Caesar and, and and everything that went on. I was I was a big fan of all of that. Um, and I and I think it's a good way to do things now. If you're going to redo something like like go all out, I thought they they did a fantastic job. Everything about you know that movie as well as Dawn. I mean they're they're great movies. They're so engaging. You know they've got this huge huge environment that they're you know they're introducing everybody to. And all it, it was I, I thought it was really well done. Both uh, Rise and Dawn, fantastic movies. My my issues with Dawn are so specific. That they're not even worth getting into right now. I'd rather get into them in the spoiler, Terry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I mean, I, I loved both movies equally. It, I, and it, I had other people ask me like, "Oh, you know, what did you think? What did you think?" And I, I said to them, "If you felt that the first, you know, if 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 you felt that Rise was fantastic, you will love this movie. Yeah, hands down. And I mean, it was beautifully shot. It was the soundtrack and all of the sound was super engaging." 
all the scenes in the forest I felt were like really like you, know, you, you felt like you were there and I saw yeah. it in 3D too and no joke I hate 3D mm-hmm. I think it's terrible and I never Me ever too. really want to see movies in 3D unless I, I, I absolutely have to I didn't mind it this time around I felt I felt like it actually like it didn't really enhance the experience necessarily but it didn't like I didn't feel like I was watching a 3D movie like stupid shit flying at you all the time. <laughs> like I felt like I was like just kind of sitting there in it, you know. It was kind of a more immersive. Than yeah, it was. and I mean, part of that could have it could have been. I actually went and saw the movie by myself, which I've never done before. I've never okay. seen movies on my own, but yeah. I think that could have been part of it too. Is like I'm not sitting there like trying to entertain my friends that are sitting next to me <laughs> as well as like watching the movie. Like I think uh, going by myself and sitting there in the 3D, like just in it, you know. I think that had a huge huge deal to do with how how I felt about the movie, and yeah. I came out of it and I was like. That was a great movie. I would definitely see that again, and I would pay twelve dollars again to see that. Like, didn't bother me by any means. So I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic, and I, I'm I'm intrigued to see where they go with it from here. Yeah, so. it, it definitely leaves things in a very interesting spot, mm-hmm. and I think that that I I had mentioned this to I think Tim after I'd seen the movie. I saw it after him, and oftentimes you hear a lot of comparisons, and most of them are very very not even close to like on point. Um, with any sequel, you hear a comparison to Empire Strikes Back, I feel right. like. Because that's kind of the sequel that everything is judged by. This one actually kind of fits that 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 vibe. Um, and in terms of... I mean, this is one of the best sequels uh, ever. Oh, I mean, totally. in, in the history of movies that I have seen... like In the history of my cinematic experiences, this is one of the best sequels I've ever seen. Um, if you're counting it as just a second chapter, if you're disregarding the rest of the ones before it, minus, of course, Rise, which I think is fair. No, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's, it's probably the best second chapter in, in a movie I've seen maybe ever. Um, it, not only does it further everything established in the first movie, which I loved, by the way, yes. and in terms of my experiences with the previous series, I've seen the remake, I've seen the original, and I've seen Rise. So I'm pretty not well-versed in Planet of the Apes. I should get on that, though. Um, you've inspired me, Tim. Maybe I'll borrow your Blu-ray set. Um, but uh, this one, I, I, I had a hard time kind of with myself fighting over, is this one better than Rise or is it not as good as Rise? Or are they equal or what? I don't care. Like, these are two parts of a continuing story that I am totally invested in and enthralled in. Yeah. I don't even almost see it. Like, it literally feels like such a continuing chapter, which is very interesting because... Really, most of the characters from the first one aren't in this one. Most of them are not here. Um, you know, the Franco character is not present in this movie. No, but um, you have... Yeah. But there's ties, obviously. Right. Caesar, obviously, Caesar, being the main link the main, to the original. Yes. And, but yet, somehow, it feels like such a logical flow and progression, story-wise, from the first. It escalates things. Um, it enhances existing relationships. It forms new relationships um, with characters that you've already known or new characters... Um, it just, it does everything a great sequel should do. And it never, somehow, despite the fact that this is a heavy effects film, like, obviously, it's, I mean, not, not only are there explosions like most action movies, and fight scenes, and chase scenes, and so on and so forth, but most of your cast, of your primary cast, is our CG creations, Mostly, I mean, they're motion capture performances, but they are created mostly in in a, on a computer. Yes, um, that is impressive to me that they somehow managed to not lose even a hint. This has more humanity and more human quality and more emotional resonance than almost any action movie. I I think probably any action movie I've seen this year, and that's that's incredible. That says a lot. These guys have done such a good job with. 
I mean, it's it's incredible. I think what works about the effects of it is um, at times early on, and it was the same way in Rise for me, is they don't look 100% realistic, but they they give them so much depth and character that you're totally invested in them. Yeah. I mean, and they give like close-ups of shots of their face. They know how to use like the technology to their advantage. I mean, there were some stuff I didn't buy. I mean, it doesn't always look realistic. It's not sure. gonna. They're sure. talking apes, but... Um, the other thing I want to touch on real quick, and I think you guys touch on it too, is um, the reason I think these last two work so well, and something like the Burton movie didn't, is there's not like a hint of irony in these movies. Like with the Planet of the Apes movie, you you think, oh, it's kind of goofy, and it is kind of silly. But these movies take it seriously. They take the idea of it seriously, yeah. and they don't they don't poke fun at it. They don't make jokes about it. Like this is a story about apes like rising up. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, it's respectful to the original series. And I, I think that's what helps make it work. I, it I wanted to chime in about the, the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Were the titles were amazing? Oh, so good! In, in reference to being able to feel as though you could go from rise to dawn, like they they tied that together perfectly. And it, there was like no, there's no actual dialogue. It was just like recordings of like yeah. television and like. TV and, and news. a lot of those like, were recorded off of actual news broadcasts, right. and edited in a way that made it seem it was, like that was awesome. That was yeah. one of the best title sequences I've ever seen. And yeah, I loved it. I, and, and that's the thing, like, because you 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 leave Rise wondering, like, hey, what the hell is going to go on? Like, where's mm-hmm. it going to go? And they finally they take it, they show you that title sequence, and it, what, how long is that title sequence? Two minutes, maybe. Sure. And they they cover like a ten year span in like two minutes. And, and they it, do and it, it without perfect. without yeah. driving you nuts, yes. like without because exposition is something that can just be, yeah, horrible to get through in a movie, right. especially when you've got a character sitting there going, "So here's my life over the last, you know." And I'm that it was such a cool way to approach that to just okay, this is where we're at. Yeah, like get, you're either with us or not, you know. Um, I words cannot be expressed how good Andy Circus is in this. Yeah, and I want to talk about this briefly in. Uh, non-spoilers, because those of you who have not seen this movie need to see this movie, if nothing else, for Andy Serkis. Because, and, and and to be fair, Toby Kebbell too, because holy crap. But Andy Serkis is a guy who's obviously been very, very, I mean, since he played Gollum in, in Lord of the Rings, which was years ago now, uh, he's been very, very, very um, entwined in the advances of motion capture technology in cinema. Yeah. I mean, he's played King Kong, he's played Godzilla, He's played uh, Gollum. He's played Caesar now. He's played all sorts of characters. I mean, he's he's going to be in the new Avengers movie. He's he's doing new Star Wars. Who is he in Avengers? Well, he hasn't said yet, actually. Okay. So that's uh, we're, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, but he's also in the new Star Wars. I mean, like this guy is the pioneer, and and he, I have never felt this way before about a motion capture performance, even one done by him, and he's the best. This sh- this should be nominated for an Oscar. Oh, I thought that after Rise. I like. I thought. I, yeah, I thought he was great in Rise, but I I I truly didn't feel like it was even even a realistic possibility after Rise. Even like mm-hmm. I just I you can't ignore this movie. No, <laughs> like no. you can't. He's yeah. it's and it's not just him. It's everybody that's doing motion capture performances. Yeah. Uh, the, the Blue Eyes his uh, played is his son in the uh, I don't remember the actor's name who played him, but fantastic. The the woman that plays Maurice. Fantastic. I mean, it just through and through. So, you know, I understand the reservations from uh, the Academy and different awards, but right. this is Andy Serkis's role. It is. Oh, he owned it for sure. He did. It, and if it was a one-time thing, then maybe I could. But he's been doing this for a long time, and this, yes, like he deserves something because this is. I think this is his best 
his best, it's his work. best work. Yeah, Absolutely. I think this is amazing. It's yeah. it's incredible, and, and I I it just yeah, it's he's amazing. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I can't look forward. I I I can't wait to see what he does in his career moving forward because he's clearly got an insanely bright future ahead of us. So um, yeah. Anybody else got anything they want to say before we? Real quick, um, yeah. Michael Giacchino or is it Giacchino? Giacchino. I Giacchino. Think. Either way, he's he's done the score. He's my favorite composer right now, and this score is incredible. I mean, it, just the way it that opening credit sequence, and then the way it kind of harkens back to the original series with those weird like like xylophone mm-hmm. noises yeah. and uses. I mean, it was just so cool and kitschy. And I just loved it. I mean, it was like a it was like a '60s score, but modern. I mean, he did the same thing with Speed Racer. Speed Racer is yeah. like my favorite yeah. score, and I, I just think he's amazing. And uh, I will go watch a movie that he does. Like, yeah, that he's he's score. I will just watch the movie. I don't care. I mean, if I, I think the score was a huge part of this movie yeah. for sure. I mean, it, it, it that's part of what wraps you into the environment, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think he did a great job of that. I mean, the, the the bits of like tribalness to it, you know, he he did an awesome job with that. Yeah. So. He's, he's, I remember hearing his work first on uh, Lost, because I'm a huge Lost fan. Yeah. I probably said it multiple times on the podcast, but um, his work on Lost is incredible. Mm-hmm. And and the guy, I know we talked a little bit about maybe him replacing John Williams for Star Wars, and I'm still not 100% sure that bringing Williams back was the was the right idea. I love John Williams, but he, clearly this man has got a lot to say through his music in movies. And so. his titles on the songs are all stupid puns. They're amazing. No, oh, are they? Like, the titles on his CD, like, or not CDs, album. The track listing. Track listing. Yeah. I don't know what we call them. But um, <laughs> the titles are really dumb puns. It's That's awesome. hilarious. That's perfect. <laughs> right on. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that does it for uh, our non-spoiler section for uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yep. See this movie. See this and see Snowpiercer and don't see Transformers. Correct. See Edge of Tomorrow, too. And see Edge of Tomorrow. So I still need to see that one. Yeah. See, there's, there's guys and, and gals. There's far too much smite, smart, that, that, that. smart science fiction in theaters to ignore and go see Transformers instead. So yes. stop it. Big budget stuff, too, with, like, explosions. So uh, <laughs> there's no like. excuse. Please. Like, um, yeah. Anyway, so that about does it. We're going to head into uh, spoilers. Uh, and we will be back afterwards. Please, if you have not seen the movie, do not listen to this next section. I'll find you. We'll be back. <laughs> Welcome back to Spoiler Terry for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, John, anything you want to talk about in Spoiler Terry? Uh, I had a couple of little things I wanted to talk about, and I mean, they're not really even spoilers, more so uh, just little cri- criticisms that I have. Kirk Acevedo, I, I think, I don't know his how to pronounce his last name, he played Carver, mm-hmm. uh, the, the dude who in the beginning of the movie shoots, um, I can't remember. Rocket's son. Ro- yeah, shoots Rocket's son. Yep. That guy, I fucking hate him. <laughs> And I'll tell you why. Because he always looks like he's taking a furious shit. His face is, like, shaking and his eyes are, like, super wide. And he's always, like, angry. Like, he was on Fringe, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Oh, okay. And I could not stand... He just... Looking at him bothers me. And, I I mean, I I don't know what it is about... I've been paying a lot of attention to faces lately. Probably just the artist in me. But he... His face makes me furious. And that's... So, I, that the only spoiler was him shooting Rocket's kid, I guess, but that happens in, like, the first ten minutes of the movie. Um, 
And the only other gripe I have is I can't stand subtitles because I feel like they detract from movies. Okay. But I understand that in this case they were completely necessary because mm-hmm. you have people speak well primates speaking in sign language. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I get that, but it was just one of those things where I'm like, man, I wish I didn't have to read. Like I want to be more immersed <laughs> in this. And I, and I, you know, you see at the end of Rise, you're like, oh, okay, Caesar can talk. Like he he can he can speak. Like sure. Why why can't all the other monkeys speak now? Sure. You know, Caesar can say Caesar is home. Like okay, cool. Can everybody else like form full sentences yet, or are they right. still all speaking sign language? Which, whatever. I mean, I I get it. Like you know, they're primates. They learn sign language, and they have to use subtitles to display what these primates are saying. Mm-hmm. But that it just bot. I hate subtitles. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just a personal problem. That's why, like, if I watch anime, I can't watch the original Japanese versions. I have you to watch the them dubs. with dubs. Yeah. I have to. Okay. Well, I do so, too anyway. So. Don't, those are my only gripes, really. That the dude who played Carver in subtitles. That's it. Other than that, I'm, I, this movie was awesome. I loved it. Although maybe the dude who played Carver is actually a success because you already hated him and you. you yeah, could to, be. Right? I and that's the thing. Like when he died, I cheered. I was like, <laughs> yes! yes. I was like, fuck that dude. And I was so because Koba's the one who did it too. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, yeah, Koba. Now, now you've come in handy. <laughs> yeah. And I shouldn't like you, but I do because you did that. So. Oh, that's awesome. I wanted to touch on the subtitle thing, though, and I totally get the subtitle thing. But I liked the way they used it because it was like, um, it was like someone, uh, someone who speaks Spanish. They speak Spanish around their family, but like if they are around other humans or American, it would kind of work for me on that level. Like mm. the human language was the second language that sure. they used um, when they wanted to make a point, kind of. So, um, and not just around humans. So I kind of liked that aspect of it. Um, but no, I do want to say that, um, yeah, uh, the guy, Kirk Acevedo, I wish his character was a little more layered. Okay. Maybe, because, and I thought there were times, it almost felt like there was something cut from his character to me. Like maybe there's a backstory there. There's a backstory. I didn't want too much of it. Maybe just even a line of dialogue. Sure. But I guess they do explain it during the campfire scene now that I think about it. So maybe I just, I, I don't know. He was a little one-dimensional. He was you. he was supposed to mirror. I thought he was supposed to mirror Koba, mm-hmm. but Koba was definitely the more interesting of the two characters, and the more yeah. Well, and layered. to be fair, he Koba does get. I mean, I think that watching you don't have to necessarily watch Rise of the Planet of the Apes for this movie. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. You could you could enjoy it just walking into it. I think but, the the intro titles alone, it, you, it's completely independent. If sure, you wanted to be sure you could you could watch it totally separate from that. But I think that uh, certainly the the Koba character. Uh, there's a lot more that you get from that character if you saw his kind of story in the first one. Right. Right. Um, it's nothing you can't gather from Don, but I think that's one of those things where, you know, obviously we didn't have a first movie to kind of develop this Carver guy. And, and not that you, like you said, not that you needed one, but you, they don't develop him as well as they could have. And in a char- in a movie where, like, every character feels like they have very clear motivations and very realistic motivations for what they're doing. I mean, there's not a villain in this movie. Not really. There are just people who are either suffering from an incredible series of misunderstandings or people who have been hurt in the past and refuse to see the good in the other side. Well, it's it's like, kind of it's kind of like The Walking Dead in respect to it's not about the zombies, you know, it's not about the primates, it's about ordinary people in an extraordinary situation mm-hmm. and how they develop and grow and embrace the situation they're in and 
you just have to kind of treat, you know, you, you treat the primates as like a separate group of people, you know, sure. a different culture sure. that's trying to just make their way. Right. So. Well, it's, and and I, I think that um, starting the movie, beginning the movie solely with the apes was genius. Mm-hmm. Because before you, I mean, it's it's almost a shock to you when you see a human character for the first time because you're like, I'm not watching an animated movie. Like it throws you off for a second. You almost forget what you're watching and you're like, holy right. shit, there's a person. Um, that was genius. I, mean, I, I just want to throw that out there. That's that, that asshole great. Carver. Yeah, and he's the first one you see, <laughs> which is dick. a great first impression. Um, Tim, you got anything else in spoilers you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of that, um, you're talking about with the misunderstanding. The best ape, Planet of the Apes movies have the like most bummer endings. And mm. this one is, this. the ending of this movie is such a bummer because... The two main characters, Jason Clark character and uh, Caesar, I mean, they're right and they're going for it, but they just can't get through to everybody else. And they both know everything's doomed, but there's not much you can do about it at this point. Like, they come together and they embrace and they're just like, we're going to have to fight. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing else we can do at this point. And it's so devastating. Just, I mean, just the lead up to it, um, the series of misunderstandings. I mean... It's really, really great how it does it, and it mirrors a lot of things that happen in the real world. So, um, and that's and that's why it works so well. Um, Caesar is one of my favorite characters, yes. and he's my favorite type of character because he reminds me of um, he reminds me of Kirk from the original Star Trek because he's not he's not like a badass in the sense that he's just going to start beating the shit out of you. He's a badass because he's going to let you have your say but if you step over a line he's gonna beat the shit out of you like he'll only take so much before he will that's when he'll fight back and that's what he does with koba in this movie and that was always kirk's thing that's always like the original star trek compared to next generation because picard was such a pussy he would he would just continue to talk forever and kirk finally would just be like i've had enough talking like i'm gonna punch you now and that's that's way caesar is like he's just like i've tried to level with you but, like, I obviously can't. I'm going to have to beat the shit out of you, Koba. Yeah, like, I'm going to hurt you now. Yeah, like, because that's all you will understand. Like, I have to kill you. And, like, that is what makes... That's one of the things that makes him so cool in these movies is he's a peaceful... He's a peaceful guy and he gets it, but he he's also has a different side. But I think I think that really reflects his intelligence. Right. As a character. I mean, mm-hmm. his, he, he is the smartest. He is their leader, you know? And yeah. that's that's totally reflected in him as a character. Exactly. I, th- I think one of the one of the interesting things that you brought up, Tim, was the. Okay, so this movie takes very real world problems that will never go away, mm-hmm. and puts them in a very fantastic setting. You know, I mean, it is it, it's a fantastic setting, and totally comes through with more clarity the root of the problem than any movie actually based on a real story or based in the real world following those same issues and same social problems would ever do. And that's the the best science fiction and horror films take something that things that we are afraid of and take things that we deal with as people and make them safe because they're putting them in this, yeah, this science fiction or fantasy bubble. And this, it, this movie does it so well. I mean, mm-hmm. there's this, there's so much going on here and we could talk about this movie probably for an hour. Um, Oh, probably more. longer, um, and it, it just got it's it's fantastic. I mean, you seriously, there's 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 moments in this movie that, and this is really a, a testament to the filmmakers and everybody involved that legitimately got me like emotional. 
and I don't I don't get super emotional during movies. Right. Uh, there's rare occasions where I do, um, but this is one where I was like, for some reason, the scene of the son I don't remember his name, Cody Smith McPhee's character, uh, Jason Clark's son in the movie, yeah. and Maurice when he's reading to Maurice, I got weirdly like super touched by that. Like there was something so awesome about that moment, and um, I don't know, it just that stuck with me. And then of course. Um, uh, Caesar's near death. I was just like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's another thing I wanted to touch on. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was dead. Like, I, oh, I, for sure. I, I thought he, like, this movie had me fooled. And, and I feel like usually I'm like, oh, he'll be back. But I lived, I bought into it. Like, I was like, while well, they went full on with their Caesar, the Caesar name, like, they've lived up to it now. Like, he was mm-hmm. literally, I wish they did. But, like, I thought he was dead. That was the last we were going to see him. Maybe they'd find his body or something, but that was it. And even after they find him and he's still alive, I thought he's going to die. Like, he's going to give some impassioned speech right. and then die. And I, I, so when he, when he comes back and he's like, no, I'm taking this city back. Like, Copa's done. I was just so jacked by the end of that. It was yep. like Rocky coming back in, like, the fourth round to <laughs> make it happen. That one scene with Koba riding the horse with the two machine guns. Oh, oh my God, was that awesome. <laughs> it's, you need to put that on a t-shirt, okay? Oh, for sure. Just a silhouette of an ape with two machine guns. There's a, I think there's a poster. Uh, I can't remember. I think there might be a poster of him with two machine guns oh, on, the, on a horse, and I'm just like, I gotta have that. Yeah, like, it's incredible. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's it really incredible. is. Um, I did want to touch on the, um, oh, what were you talking about, the Caesar thing? Um, with his near death. With his near death. Yeah, there have been movies recently... And I won't name them in case people haven't seen them and they're listening to this, but you know a certain character is going to die because that's what they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. And they die and you just go, oh, well, I guess that's the story. Like, that happens. But that's terrible storytelling. This movie, like, you're actually invested in Caesar and you're pissed when he... I was pissed when he died. I was mad. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like, I did not... Like, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be, like, the audience, even if you know all the tricks... Of filmmaking, like, you need... You're supposed to convince an audience to be upset when a character dies mm-hmm. and not just go, oh, it's part of the story, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I was... Yeah, and my brother was the same way. I went and saw this with my brother, and he... he like, I couldn't feel like he was going to walk out. Yeah. <laughs> Caesar didn't come back within, like, the next 15 minutes. So, like, that's what's so amazing about that, is it, finally I was invested in a character like that again. Um, the other thing you were touched on was the a lot of the real-world issues. Mm-hmm. Um... It does it in a way, too, that's smart. It doesn't really pass any judgments on him. Um, it introduces ideas, and it's not preachy about it. Mm-hmm. No, it's um, not. It's not. Because, I mean, you can read your own things into it. I mean, there's obviously the conflict. I mean, Israel and Palestine are shooting each other right now. Yeah. I mean, I mean like, like Gary Oldman, his yeah. character. You don't get a ton of backstory on him. You get more than enough through the, his scene with the iPad or whatever right. it was. But... I did not. I was not mad at Gary Oldman for what he did. No. I understood why Gary Oldman did what he did. Right. He's not a villain. He's not. I and that's another movement I didn't see coming. I honestly thought he was going to like talk him down because that's what most movies would do. <laughs> like, yeah. he'd be like no, wait, just give it. You know. But um, that's um, that's incredible. Like yeah. like this shows you like people when when people are threatened, they feel like their belief or their you know their race or their religion or whatever is threatened by another. They will do anything to. To end that threat. I mean, and that's, it's, it's a terrifying thought, but it's 90% of the violence that takes place in the world is because of that. Right. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's and, amazing. Yeah. And the, I mean, another thing I think it touches on yeah, real quick. I mean, there's a gun control right now is a huge debate going on and 
this movie, I mean, this movie doesn't preach about that either, but it introduces the fact that, like, if you put guns in a situation with a lot of emotion, like, this kind of shit happens. Yeah, it's going to escalate things, sure. It's going to escalate things, and... Like I said, I don't think it makes any real judgment. If anything, it makes judgment on humans more than anything. I mean, so I think there's a lot of ways you can read into a lot of the things it says. It's a very smart summer movie. I'm very happy about it. Yeah, yes. me too. It's it's going to be really hard to gauge what my favorite movie of the year was because I've got a few top contenders already. And it, what's funny is this is a summer that I know a lot of analysts are saying is is down from last year. There's less coming out than last year, blah, blah, blah. But I, I think it's been a pretty solid year for movies. And this is just... This another, been a really good summer. I, I know. This is just another in a long string. Maybe maybe less of a quantity, but certainly more quality, I think, this year. Um, They're but, not making as much money. The movies are better, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is I mean, I, from from someone... I, I'm not nearly... Like, I don't see as many movies as you guys do. Sure. Right. For someone who is just the average viewer... I've seen more movies this summer than normal. Mm-hmm. So if that says anything. No, and that yeah, that's that right there is yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fair. I just wish more people would go see these ones. Yeah, well, totally. this one's making some money and it that's is. kind of encouraging. And I know the first one had legs, so hopefully this one will too. Yeah, hopefully it continues to do well and and I mean, I think certainly we can we can probably expect a sequel at this point. And that's a very good thing. Yep. Um uh anyway, well, why don't we uh we're going to come back after this break here. Well, I just, it, I'm sure it, yeah. it's obviously a collective yes, like with this movie. We're all oh down. yeah, oh no, no go totally. see this. Yeah, no, sure. See yeah, yeah. If we haven't sold you yet, please just sell yourself and go see it. Uh, <laughs> sell yourself anyway. Sell yourself. Yeah. Sell yourself anyway. <laughs> You're gonna have to to pay for that three. <laughs> That's true, no doubt. You have to sell your firstborn to afford that. I, yeah, God, theaters. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, go see this movie. Maybe that's what the next one will be. It's something about the finally touch on like expensive movie prices. Uh, maybe <laughs> you know. I feel like we need a movie with a little social commentary about that. It'll just so. be apes living comfortably. Just yeah. until here comes a big movie theater moving into the woods, and they're just they're trying to charge these <laughs> apes out the ass for for three D tickets. Anyway, they have to rise up against the. Uh, I, I'm done. Um, <laughs> We are going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with feedback. We are back, and we've got a little feedback for you from our uh, friend of the show, Mr. Yoop. Yoop. Um, Yoop has lovely things to say about us as human beings. Yoop doesn't know this. Yoop doesn't know this, but... In Michigan, we call people from the Upper Peninsula Youpers. Youpers, yes, uh-huh. because of the Upper Peninsula. Yeah, yeah, Youpers. Youpers is the uh, is the term. So that's how. That's good. That's how you remember his name. I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. <laughs> um, he has very kind things to say about us, as well as wishing Alex a very happy time in Japan. So Youp is looking out for you, Alex. Um, Youp has this to say: Looking forward to Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. We were as well, and now we have seen it. Hopefully, he's looking backward. Um, yeah, now he's looking backward. Uh, an interesting aspect to talk about in conjunction with this movie is how motion capture shaped recent cinema. It started with Gollum, and now it is finding its way into animation and comedy as well. Examples, Ted, Paul, Tintin. In my opinion, we have barely scratched the surface of this technique. I'm sure this will come up in your review. Have a great time in Japan, is what he had said to Alex, so thanks again for that. Um, yeah, motion capture is is something that I think we have not even reached the peak of at this point. Oh no way! I, I it, him, you know, you saying that we've barely scratched the surface. I think is a great way to put it. Um, seeing how it's been introduced into video games, like going back to that, like our little video game segment, uh, 
I think is a great indication as to where, like how this can advance because they're, they're now using it in, in something that is not, I don't know how to say this exactly, but they're using it in, in methods. I don't think it was ever intended for. Sure. And, and it's working and it's, and it's awesome. Yeah. And I think that being said, and the, the fact that it's becoming more and more fluid and natural, I think you're going to see more of it. And I think you're going to see people who didn't have opportunities to become like, you know, that face, Mm-hmm. The, the the actor or the actress that the face you know you'll see more people like that stepping into it like because they have the body movements and they have the voice that correspond but maybe they're like too ugly <laughs> or like maybe they've got some jacked up teeth and don't want right. to pay to get them fixed you know things like that and and I don't know if that's that's really the case but you know it's that's one of those things I thought about was like I think people will really you know anybody can do it at that point you know what I mean and that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So you can be anyone, you know, you could take yeah. any actor and put them in a role of whatever they want to be, as long as they can create the body motions and, and, you know, invoke the voice they need to be the character, they can do it. Sure. Right. I, I think it's, I think this is the, um, the most successful film I've seen so far in terms of motion capture, um, of truly, truly bringing characters to life through that technology. And it's, I think it's, I think they're able to do a lot of things, particularly now with facial capture, yeah, which, that, is, yeah. which is some, I think that's, that's the, really the element that we're really pushing further, further now. I think motion capture is kind of, we've got some very fluid, realistic motions now. I think we're, we're probably as far as we're going to get on that, the facial thing though, which really is just motion capture, but in a very, with tiny details right. is, is now the thing that it's incredible. I mean, you can, you can see, and you know, I dare I say, even in some of the, um, the Ninja Turtles footage I've seen, which I believe they use the same uh, technology as these uh, apes films. As unexcited as I am for that movie, you can legitimately see kind of the uh, the expression of the actor coming through in the the faces. Yes, which is impressive. So and and Ninja Turtles, I think, I mean they're, I think they're kind of dumbing it down to the technology just to not freak kids out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean that's nice though. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd probably be scared if it... if they were actual mutant turtles. <laughs> no, this technology peaked with uh, Final Fantasy: The Spirits with the guy that looks like Ben Affleck. Is <laughs> no, no, I, I mean that was cutting edge. That was cutting edge. I remember me. I remember like that. The big build up to that was like, are these people going to replace? He was like, they better not. They're horrifying. They're yeah. soulless. That's, that's what like all the yeah. different outlets were saying is is you know are. Our, our, are all our actors going to be replaced by animation? <laughs> right. You know? right. Know. And then it came out and it was like, no, they, they're really, really bad. And I w- I've never really been convinced until these last two Apes movies, honestly. I mean, I liked Gollum in Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. and I thought he was amazing creation for the time. But it, Hulk and Avengers was very good. You know what? I actually like Hulk in the Ang Lee Hulk. And oh, I don't okay. think he's realistic, but I think he Ang Lee was on the right track. I don't know if he had the technology at the time sure. to pull it off, but... I don't think he's necessarily realistic, but he a lot of times captures the face of sure. what it would be like, uh, what Bruce Banner would be like. I really liked, I really liked him in that. Um, but no, this is the first time I've ever been convinced. And like I said, I don't think it has to necessarily be one hundred percent realistic. In fact, I think that's kind of creepy sometimes. Mm. Um, I don't. I think this right now for me, maybe until I ease into it, I don't want to <laughs> see. I don't want to see another Final Fantasy. No, no. I don't think anybody wants. To see that. <laughs> no, that movie was terrible. <laughs> well, thank you, Yoop, for the uh, for the email. Please, as always, uh, 
You can always send us feedback. We would love to talk to you uh, on the show about any and all of your concerns, questions, comments, uh, ideas. You can fan cast some, fan cast something and send it to us. We'll review your fan cast. Or, or uh, yeah, yeah, or ask us to fan cast. Oh, I would love that. That'd be a lot of fun. Try to make it something obscure, too, maybe. Yeah, like, go no one crazy. Will get it, go crazy. For, yeah. Something I have to, like, dig up on Amazon just to find out what it even is. Right. Um, so you can actually send us feedback like a book. by. <laughs> yeah, like a book. <laughs> like, fucking books. No, no not like them. a Kindle edition, either. That's stupid. Um, you can send us feedback by calling us at 248-733-5MFN or 248-733-5636. Uh, you can email us feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com or, uh, you can go on facebook.com slash midwestfilmnerdspodcast, find us there. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast, and check out our website midwestfilmnerds.com to find all past episodes with show notes and timestamps. That about does it for this week on the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. Uh, next week, uh, I mentioned earlier we're not going to be reviewing anything that's coming out in the theaters, because no. Um, we're going to be doing a retro review, a mystery, a surprise mystery retro review. It's mostly a mystery. We're not doing planes? No, we're not. Can we review actual planes? Uh, actual, like, models of, like, 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 existing planes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, maybe. Better than any of the movies coming out. We're going to leave it as a surprise. Yeah. No, um, mostly it's a mystery podcast review because we don't know what we're reviewing yet. But that'll be wrapped up soon. We promise there will be a review next week. Um, thanks again to John, who's here, which is always yes. awkward when I have this thanks part to say, but you're here. For some reason, it's weird thanking you in person, but not, not in person. No, that's cool, man. Uh, <laughs> John is responsible for all of our music and artwork. Thank you again for that. And uh, anything you want to talk about? Anything uh, you want to plug? You can follow me on Twitter, at Mr. John, M-I-S-T-A-J-O-N. As well as check out my band, Mod Orange, on Facebook and Bandcamp. That's Mod, M-O-D, Orange, spelled like the fruit. (laughs) And uh, that's all I really have to say. And if you like my artwork and stuff, you can hire me and I'll make art for you. Yes, please do. His artwork is fantastic. Um, Anyway, Kyle XY, go watch a movie. Boom. Goes the dynamite. We'll